All right, don't, let my, don't listen to my sons, whatever they're saying right now. If they're making fun of me, don't listen to them. Okay. Give thanks. Um, this is the month of November. We're going to be looking at the Psalms. And uh, our text for this series is from Psalm 100. So I'm going to read that, then we're going to pray. And then today we're going to dive into Psalm 33. So Psalm 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Amen. We were doing that this morning. Making a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with, thanks, uh, with singing. No. He's given, all these are imperatives. Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. And then give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So all of these imperatives in Psalm 100, this short little psalm, make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come into his presence. Know the Lord is God. It is he who makes enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. For he's good. And his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father. We just thank you right now, God. Lord, our thanks is not based upon our circumstances. Our thanks is based upon who you are and what you have done for us in eternity. And Lord, we know that it does not matter what happens to us on this side of life, but that you died on the cross that we might have eternal life. And so, Lord, we want to give you thanks today. And we shout for joy today. And we worship you today. And we come into your presence today. And we enter your gates with thanksgiving. And we desire to serve you today. And we, we Lord God, we, we just love you this morning because of your great love for us. So, Lord, just continue to speak to our hearts as we look to you. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking at Psalm 33 today. My little shirt that says Psalm 33, 12. One nation under God. But Psalm 33, 12, we're going to get there in a minute. It says... Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Well, what I'm going to show you is all the evidence that that's not true here in the United States of America in a moment. But let's look at Psalm 33. This is what David... Actually, there's no inscription to Psalm 33. I believe that following right on the heels of Psalm 32... It, it, uh, which was ascribed to David that this probably was a psalm that was written by David, but this is one of the few psalms in the first book of Psalms, in the first 40, 41 chapters, that it does not have an inscription. But it just sounds like David all, all over it and all through it. And again, there's imperatives here. He starts out by saying, shout. This is verses 1 through, through 3. And, uh, in, in, in terms of our giving thanks, shout for joy in the Lord. How many of you shout for joy in the Lord? You know, a great place to do that is on Monday nights when we come for worship night. And a great place to do that is right here in the service. This is one of the imperatives that God is telling us to do in, in our worship, to shout. Don't be afraid to raise your voice. I think that when, well, these days when you watch the Steelers, you are quiet. But it used to be. (laughs) But it used to be when you watched the Steelers that you were shouting. How much more for the Lord, right? Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Why? Because praise befits the upright. In other words, it's the right thing to do. If you are one of his children, if you are one of his, it's the right thing to do. Praise befits the righteous. And then here's another one. Give thanks to the Lord. 
And this is what we were doing this morning. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. That doesn't mean someone who's telling lies. That's a musical instrument. <laughs> Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. And some of us, you know, we don't play instruments, but you can still make melody in your hearts to the Lord. And you can listen to worship music and you can... You don't want to know what? I'm going to tell you right now. It doesn't matter whether you sing on key or off key. When you sing, it's beautiful to Jesus. He loves it. Make a joyful noise. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. You know, a lot of times when we read those in the, in the Psalms, what it's talking about, you know, is, uh, you know, when there's a time of instrumental maybe in the worship. We have a few of them today. Just sing your own words. Make up your own song at that moment. Just sing to the Lord something that just comes to your heart. That's the overflow of your joy and of your love. Sing to the Lord a new song. In other words, not exactly according to what's being sung up here or what the words say on the screen. Now just make a, sing a new song. Sing something to the Lord. Let that just become part of the fat fabric of who you are. Sing to the Lord a new song. And then play. Again, again most of us don't do it, but if you do, play skillfully. Do your best. In other words, whatever you're doing, do your best to the Lord. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks around you. When I was in YWAM, again, going back to singing, this says play skillfully. I wasn't much of a guitar player back then, but I've, I've gotten much better over the years. You know, when you play all the time, you get better at whatever you do. So when you do something all the time, you're going be, to become more skillful at it. You're going to become better at it. Anyway, I'll just skip the story I was about to tell. But, and, then, and then it says, on the strings. And then it says again, it, it just the way it started, shout for joy. It says, with, with what? With loud shouts. With loud shouts. Hallelujah! You sometimes might hear me scream out or hear me say, why does Pastor Mike do that? Well, I'm just obeying the scriptures. I'm just doing one of the things the scriptures say for us to do in our worship. And I love to worship the Lord. And sometimes when I hear about that he's going to take back everything from the enemy's camp, man, it makes me say, hallelujah. Yes. It just comes right out. I All right, let's go on to the next thing. That's, that's the call to give thanks to the Lord. Why? Verses 4 and 5 are the reasons to give thanks to the Lord. It's because of the Lord's greatness. It says in verse 4, For the Lord, I mean, for the word of the Lord is upright. That word means straight, right. Doesn't, it doesn't, uh, doesn't go to the right or to the left. It goes, just goes straight in the right way. It's always right. All his works, all of his work is done in faithfulness. Everything he does is, is because of his faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. He's just and true. Some translations translate that word faithfulness as true, as truth rather. He loves faith, uh, righteousness and, and justice, and the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. You see, God is so much greater and better than we are. And this, these verses are just speaking about the greatness of the Lord. He's going to expound that in just a minute, but just let me just mention a few things about God that make him great. God is infinite. There is no end to God. You know, I love that, that verse of Scripture that talks about, that, you know, the, you, cannot, you cannot measure the universe. It's, immeasure, it's immeasurable. It's in, in Jeremiah 31 and Jeremiah 33. And, you know, we think we're measuring it with the, with the telescope, but all we are doing is actually seeing farther into it, and we'll never get to the end of it. 
will never, because God is infinite. There is no end to him. There is no beginning. I mean, he's, he's, that's also part of his eternity, but God is an infinite God. There's no, it's just like, it's, it's inconceivable to us of how great he is. He's also incomprehensible because of that, which means he can't be comprehended. And, and we, we come together with our systematic theologies and we write down, you know, these things about God and we have this box here because, you, you, have, you know, as humans, we are limited and we have this box, but this box does not contain who God is. And, and any box, no matter what your box is about who God is, no matter what you believe, God is so much greater than what you believe. He's just 100,000 times, but it's incomprehensible who God is. What else about God? He's self-existent. You know, you know, you and I, if God forgot about us for a second, it talks about this in Job, we would cease to exist. But God is self-existent. There's nothing holding him up. He is holding everything up, but nothing is holding him up. He is self-existent. He's also self-sufficient. He doesn't need help. I need help. Imagine as a little baby, if there's no one there to help you, what's going to happen to you? We are not self-sufficient. He is self-sufficient. He doesn't need any help from anyone. I love it in Psalm 50. It says, if, I was, if God was hungry, he wouldn't tell you. <laughs> because he doesn't need you to provide for him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, it goes on and says. God is self-sufficient. He's eternal. That means he had no beginning. He has no ending. If you start to think about that long enough, your brain will explode. <laughs> How can something not have had a beginning? We can't comprehend that. But thank God, we can comprehend that things go linearly in, in the other direction and there's no end. And God has called you to eternal life. Yeah. I love how Barclay brings out that eternal is a, is a word that can only be applied to God. It cannot be applied to us because we are not, we had a beginning. And for most of us, we're going to have an ending in this life. But if you've put your faith in Christ, you will not have an ending. Because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The word is eternal. The word everlasting is not the right translation of that word. Ahionios. Uh, it should be eternal because it means more than, it means God is giving you the very life of God. That's what he's giving you. We cannot comprehend that. Eternal. He's giving you eternal life. God is eternal. God is immutable. He doesn't change. Listen, you can change every other day. You can change your mind every other minute. But God does not do that. He's immutable. He does not change. He's not like shifting shadows, as it says in James chapter 1. He's also omnipresent. He is absolutely everywhere all at once. We're going to see that in here in a moment in the text. He's omnip omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There's, I mean, I love those verses of scripture. Where is the one who would stand against me? God bless you. You're dead. Okay. Uh, he's omniscient. He knows everything. There is nothing he doesn't know. He lives outside of time. He knows the end from the beginning. He's seen it all already. He knows. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And over all of that, he's sovereign. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are your ways than my ways, and so much higher are your thoughts than my thoughts. He's sovereign. He has a way that often we do not understand. The ways of God we often do not understand. But in all of these things, what he's calling us to, and what, what, the, what the psalmist is calling us to right now, is that these are reasons that we must trust God. 
Because in his sovereignty, he knows exactly what he's doing. And his plan is for your good. We just need to line up with him. It is inconceivable, right, that God could do wrong. I love how it says that in the book of Job. It is inconceivable that God could do wrong. And however he's leading you, whatever he's doing, if anything's gone wrong, it wasn't God. It isn't God. And all of it is used to form us and to shape us and to mold us and to make us into the way that God has called us to be. And all we have to do is yield rather than resist him. If we yield to him, it changes everything. It doesn't make everything okay in this life. Things aren't going to be okay in this life. That's what Jesus said, right? I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. That's, that's our God. All right. The Lord's greatness is proven by creation. This is the God we serve. Listen to verses 6 now through 9. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. For let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Wow. Light. There it is. Land, boom, animals, <laughs> man, here he is, go to sleep, woman, <laughs> this is how it came to be, oh, Pastor Mike, you're, you're a fool, you believe that, yes I do, because I believe that this word is true. And I believe that if there is a God that is infinite, incomprehensible, self-existent, self-sufficient, eternal, immutable, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and sovereign, that he can do that. And I can't. That's why I'm not God. And thank you. you can all thank the Lord for that. See, this is about giving thanks. So let's give thanks that Pastor Mike is not God. Hallelujah. And I'm thanking God that neither are you. All right. <laughs> And then we see the Lord's dominion over the nations. In verses 10 through 12, it says, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. Praise the right. You, you got a plan against God? Good luck. <laughs> the Lord brings the counsels of the nation to nothing. Amen. I like this woman. He frustrates the, <laughs> he frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Are things going astray right now in the United States of America? God knows. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. So I'm just going to go through a brief little thing here now about the evidence of how America is turning away from God as a nation. That's, why, that's what makes, you know, election day so important. You know, we have voting guides out there for you to take after this, and, you know, and we're not telling you who to vote for. 
but we're trying to give you a guide to, 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 to see who the ones are that line up with biblical um, ways. Because America, listen, to say, to, to say that America is a Christian nation has never technically been correct. You know, in our Constitution and in the Declaration of Independence, you know, it talks about not making, you know, the Second Amendment, or the First Amendment rather, talks about not, not making an establishment of religion. And, you know, we, we hear in the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal, and they are endowed with certain in, unalienable or inalienable rights that come from our Creator. You know, they believed in God. They believed in God. And, and, and the, the founding principles of this nation, the three, uh, the three branches of government were there for, so that no one could have complete control. It was ingenious what they did, what they came up with. It's, it's allowed America to stand the way it is now and to be the most prosperous nation in the world. And, but to, to see the things that have happened, so many of the things that they did, though, they were, it was founded on godly principles. Pastors led the way in the United States of America. I can't go over the, all the whole detail, but what I want to show you today is how that's changed. Um, a lot of the things that I'm going to share with you have been documented, and this is, this, I mean, it, in, in a book, this has been documented because what I'm going to tell you is just historical things that have happened. That they are, that they are is what they are. This is, none of the, what I'm going to say is political in any way, shape, or form. It's just what has happened. This is what is. And it was documented by a man named David Horowitz. He wrote a book called Dark Agenda, The War to, Des to Destroy Christian America. David Horowitz was raised as a Marxist atheist by Marxist atheist parents. Um, and he, he, today he says he's agnostic. He doesn't believe that you can prove that there is a God. But he is someone who believes in truth. And he is someone who has seen the injustices and some of the things that have happened when one of his best friends in 1974 was, was murdered. It, it opened his eyes to the reality that, murdered by the, their own side, it, it opened his eyes to the reality that things aren't really the, what he, he thought they were. And he began to turn. And he gave himself to truth, really. But in this book, he documents what has happened in the United States of America. You know, in 1954, in the United States of America, we, we had it put on, on our money, in God we trust. And our Pledge of Allegiance, we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for... So, you know, we, we've had this groundwork. If you go to the Capitol building of the United States and you walk around, you will see scripture verses everywhere and references to God absolutely everywhere because that is the founding of our country. But in 1962, a landmark case about religious liberty known as Engel versus Vitale came before the Supreme Court. And the complaint was that the New York Board of Regents prayer addressed to Almighty God violated their religious beliefs. And here's the prayer. This is what they used to pray. Almighty God, 
We acknowledge our dependence upon thee, and we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. All the lower courts just shot down all of their arguments, rejected all the arguments to, to, to have this prayer removed. In fact, the New York Supreme Court wrote this in their decision. Not only is this prayer not a violation of the First Amendment, no decision of this or of the United States Supreme Court says or suggests that it is, but a holding that, is, that it is such a violation would be a, def a defiance of all American history. In other words, saying that this was unconstitutional would be a defiance of all of American history. But when it was taken to the United States Supreme Court, the court ruled that the Board of Regents' prayer was a violation of the Constitution Establishment Clause, establishing a religion, is what they said. But the New York Supreme Court said no. Speaking for the majority, Justice Hugo Black rejected the defense two key arguments. One, that the prayer was voluntary, and two, that it reflected no particular religion. But the court majority held that because the prayer did not address the beliefs of atheists, it violated the Establishment Clause. Justice Black did not cite a single legal precedent or court decision in his majority opinion because there was none. And so in 1962, by Supreme Court order, prayer in public schools became unconstitutional. This was the beginning and opening the door to use the Supreme Court to circumvent the other two branches of government. Because this wasn't done by the proper way, making it a law. This was just done by a decree, which was never meant to be. And power was given to one branch of government that it never was intended to have. Just declaring things. Never intended to be that way. In essence, they were taking the views of a small minority to silence the views of the vast majority by decree. I believe that even today in the United States of America, if we took a vote and if we looked at the, if the people were able to, to choose, they would say there's nothing wrong with prayer in the public schools. But today we cannot have prayer in public schools by, by a Supreme Court decision. In 1963, in Murray versus Curlett, the court voted eight to one, banning mandatory reading or recitation of the Bible at public schools. And so after 170 years in which prayers were said and the Bible was read daily in schools across the nation, the practice was declared unconstitutional overnight. Boom, no more prayer, boom, no more Bible reading in school. Listen, one of the main textbooks in the, in the, in the school rooms for most of American history was the Bible. Let one of your children bring a Bible to public school today and see what happens. It's amazing what's happened. In 1965, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled by a majority of 7 to 2 that the right to contraception was a guaranteed right to privacy for married couples. Now, this isn't a, 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 whether or not we agree with this ruling. <laughs> Imagine, in, in, before 1965, it was illegal to have, use contraception, contraceptives in the United States of America. But what, what was unique about this ruling was the right to privacy was used. Okay, Justice William O. Douglas, who wrote the majority opinion conceding that the Bill of Rights did not contain an explicit right to privacy, nonetheless claimed to find a right to privacy in the Bill of Rights. Now, that all sounds good to us, doesn't it? The right to privacy? But it's not in, anywhere in the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence. 
And he wrote that it could be found in the penumbras and the emanations of the Bill of Rights. And this discovery of the right to privacy would be used to change the American landscape for generations to come. Then in 1972, the court ruled for the right to contraception for unmarried couples. They were now included. In 1973 then, we all know what happened. The court ruled that women had the constitutional right to abort their babies. Under the right to privacy finding from midair. In 1977, a right to contraception for juveniles at least 16 years of age was given. I remember this because Planned Parenthood came to my high school, showed us every form of contraception there was, and told us we didn't have to go to our parents, we could just go to them, and no one needed to know. They've been after our kids all these years. It's so much worse today. There's no way I can go over everything. I'm just going over some nice, real good highlights. Okay, in 2002, I'm sorry, you're supposed to laugh. In 2002, the, the court ruled for the constitutional right to homosexual relations. 2002. Overturning a 1985 court decision that consenting adults have no constitutional right to homosexual relations. And of course, this paved the way for what happened in 2013. In 2013, the Supreme Court majority declared DOMA, that was the Defense of Marriage Act from 1996, marriage being between one man and one woman. They declared, in 2013, they declared the Defense of Marriage Act to be discriminatory and unconstitutional, further paving the way for what happened in 2015. In 2015, in the month of June, the Supreme Court ruled five to four that same-sex marriage was a constitutional right in all 50 states. And all of these rulings have taken us further and further away from God as a nation. And there's so much more that I could say. I just, I mean, you know, that, that I, just, I just decided to, to pick some of these Supreme Court rulings, all of which have gone against the Christian way of belief. Now, in 2022, we had a ruling that went our way where Roe v. Wade was overturned and it went to the states to make the, those decisions. It didn't, didn't do away with abortion. It just did away with it as a constitutional right given from the Supreme Court who have become nine gods in the world. But states still have a right to make those decisions. And so the battle isn't over. We still need to be fighting and working even in that area. But again, each one of these rulings shows clearly how we have been going further and further away from God and then just read the news every day of what's happened in our country. The, the, just the craziness that's going on in the world today. And it, it all started back in 1962 and 63 with the removal of prayer and Bible reading from the schools. So what, what should be our response? Our response is to trust in the Lord. Because let's go back to Psalm 33 now. Let's look at verses 13 
to 19, first of all, it says, the Lord looks down from heaven. Listen, this is God, okay? He's up here. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of men. Ah, there's, there's Jen. Ah, there's Jocelyn. There's Kim. <laughs> there's Erica. Ooh, there's Matt. <laughs> he sees all the children of men. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the land. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. He sees everything. He knows everything. So I want you to know that where we are at in the United States of America is because God has allowed it to be there. God has his purposes. God has his reasons. A lot of it has to do with us as the church. If it's anyone's fault, I do not blame the, the, the people that do not believe in God for any of this. The people that do not believe in God have, no, no, they have nothing to do with this. It's the people who do believe in God that have something to do with this. This is why we need to change. This is why we need to be the difference. This is why we need to learn how to really trust in God, that we need to learn how to call out to God. We drop the ball. We let them take all of this ground. This is ground that they didn't have, and we, we've given it up to them. We're in this bed. And we need to trust the Lord, and we need to remember, right? You know, what, what does it say in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in the heavenly places. This is a spiritual battle that's going on in the world. That's why we need to trust in God. Why? Because as it goes on, it says, I love the NIV, I'll just do, no king is saved by the size of his army. No, no warrior escapes by his own great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance, despite all of his strength that cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love or in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Listen, when you trust the Lord, it doesn't matter how bad things are out there. He's going to keep you alive. He's going to give you food in a time of famine. He's going to take care of your needs. And our job right now is to trust the Lord and to cling to the Lord and to, to seek the Lord, as was told right from the very beginning of the service, and to, to, to get into the Word of God and, to, and to, to know what pleases God. Find out what pleases God. When you vote, you need to make sure you know what pleases God and vote for what pleases God because, listen, that's one thing we can do in this land to help turn things around. But we've got to, we've got to act, but we've got to trust the Lord above everything else. We've got to do whatever we can do as our part. It's a small little part maybe, but we've got to do what our small little part is. And then we've got to trust God because He looks down and He sees everything. He knows everything. I love Psalm 2. Listen to this. Let me, let me turn to it real quick. I love what it says about God. It says, you know, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take their counsel together against the Lord 
and, and, and against the Lord's anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. That's basically what's happening in our country. That's what they're saying. Let's do this. But you know what it says then? Verse 4, it says, he who sits in heaven laughs. <laughs> he who sits in heaven laughs. I love that. The Lord holds them in derision. I mean, it's just, it's just he's, he's looking down and he's thinking, wow, the, you guys really think you're doing some great stuff here against, against me. But he's laughing. And then verse 20 to 22, the right response of the Lord's people. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Our soul waits for the Lord. Do the right thing. Do what's right and then wait. Don't ever take matters into your own hands in any way, shape, or form. Do what's right and then wait. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in Him because we trust in His holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. Listen, God's not done. There are so many solid Christians in the United States of America. In this room alone, there is enough power in our faith in Jesus Christ to make a huge difference in this world. By trusting God, by doing the right thing, by being available as we sang. Just being available to Him. Crying out to Him. Trusting Him. And if there's anything in our life that needs to change by then changing, taking the steps we need to take to change, doing what we need to do to be different, and then waiting and trusting God. Hey, it's good to see you, Glenn Morgan. Praise the Lord. Is it his birthday? Happy birthday, Glenn. We're gonna have some good chili today. He wanted us to. He wanted us to point that out. No, I'm only kidding. I remember. Was it last year? our call to fall Sunday when Cameron and Nakrina sang that song about America it's called American Tears and I could have just bawled my eyes out because of what I see happening in this country but it's because of people like us that, that things can change and if they don't if they don't change then we've got to live even more for Jesus. Because we don't live for Jesus because everything goes our way. We live for Jesus because He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. And there is no power. There is no power like the mighty name of Jesus. And everything that the devil has stolen, He can restore. Do you believe that today? 
let's trust God that this week as Christians we can do our part and whatever the outcome is we're going to trust God that in his power we are going to make a difference in this life it doesn't matter what happens in elections who's ruling our land who the king is how big his army is it doesn't matter doesn't matter how great the warriors are against us it doesn't matter we're going to serve the Lord because there's a name that levels mountains it carves a highway through the sea that's the power of his name amen let's stand and let's worship the Lord